Now to the book of Hebrews. We will turn to the word of God as uh, Doug will come soon to open it up to us. Hebrews chapter 13. We will be reading verse 15. A message of giving thanks. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. The author of Hebrews writes here, Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. Praise God. This morning we are blessed to have Doug Nichols open up the word of God to us. Doug? Thank you for your kind words, uh, for Dad and for Margaret and me. appreciate it very much. Thank you for your gracious uh, spirit. The, uh, the books under his wings, we have about 65 copies that have been signed by Dad. If somebody could be in charge to make sure they distribute, make sure everybody gets one. Families first, and then there's some left over, college students and so forth. And uh, Because I'm getting to be old, and they're heavy to carry. I don't want to carry any more back to the car. But uh, it's, been, it's a wonderful book that someone wrote about mom and dad, and we'd like you to be blessed with a copy. When I was recovering from cancer, uh, I was sitting at the dining room table going over all the, the bills. It was about the second week since I had surgery, and I was at home and recovering with all these tubes and everything in, in me. And I was one of the first days I was up, I was sitting at the dining room table going over all the bills. And uh, I said to my wife, Margaret, you know, it's really amazing this insurance company that we have handling our medical insurance has really been of help. I said, look at this. And they were always showing her the things. And she said, well, Doug, you should phone them and say thank you. So I don't know anything about insurance companies, but I looked at the phone number and phoned it, phoned the number, and it was in back east. And uh, a lady that has been assigned to me, you know, they assigned certain nurses to go over the bills to make sure that Hospitals not ripping them off and so forth. And I was connected with the person assigned to our account. She came on the phone and the first thing she said was, What's the problem? What's your complaint? And I said, Ma'am, there's, <laughs> there's no complaint. I just wanted the phone and say thank you. <clears throat> and she paused for a moment and she said, Sir, really, we can get right to the situation. Well, what is your complaint? <laughs> And I began to explain to her how we really appreciated their help. And there was another pause on the phone, and you could tell there was a tear in her voice. And she said, sir, I don't know how to respond to you because nobody ever phones to say thank you. Nobody ever phones to say thank you. Recently, my wife said to me, I recounted how God had answered a certain prayer and The first thing she says when I say something like that is, Doug, did you thank the Lord for that? When something happens to us in a situation daily of uh, we get a parking place or we 
we get into the appointment faster than we thought we were going to or uh, some situation somebody uh, said thank you to us appreciated us Margaret says Doug did you say thank you to our sovereign Lord today I'd like to speak on the topic the sacrifice of thanksgiving Hebrews thirteen fifteen says through him Christ then let us offer continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is now notice this that is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name now, we like the verse when we're speaking about the will of God in Second Thessalonians five eighteen in everything give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So the question I have for you this morning is gratefulness, thankfulness, a characteristic of your life. You know, so often people look at us as we say in the Philippines, true believers, they look at on us and we no different than anybody else. But one thing that should characterize all of us is a characteristic of thankfulness, of gratefulness, of appreciation. Especially to God. On Saturday evening one time, our grown children went over for a traditional weekend meal of hamburgers. Every Saturday we have hamburgers. Afterwards, we spent time singing hymns. Hymns such as, Praise the Savior, you who know, you who know Him. Jesus, the name over all. In the heart of Jesus, in the song, the hymn, Precious Blood of Jesus, Man of Sorrows, What a Name. Dad Jesperson sang a favorite of his senior OMF missionary in China, co-worker Dr. Perry, in the late 1930s. The hymn goes this way. Praise, praise ye the name of Jehovah our God. Shouldn't that be on our lips constantly, really? Praise God. Declare, O declare ye his glories abroad. Proclaim ye his mercy from nation to nation. Till the utmost islands have heard of his salvation. And then the course. For his love floweth on, free and full as a river. And his mercy endureth forever and ever. Dr. Perry was an older retired missionary who still lived in China and who traveled throughout the land preaching and teaching the word of God. As he was older, the mission asked Dad, who was young then, Dad Jesperson, to, uh, who was young and single, to travel and care for him. At the end of the day of ministry, Dr. Perry would love to read the word of God and sing hymns before retiring for the evening. And praise ye the name of Jehovah our God was his favorite. So this morning let's look at seven points which is outlined, which are outlined in your bulletin. Seven points to be thankful for. And I've listed these all under alliteration of S. The first is salvation and then sanctification and then service and saints. And scripture, security, and of all things, to be thanks for suffering. 
Number one, thankful for salvation. Colossians 1, 12 to 14 says, Give thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have forget redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Second Corinthians 9.15 says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. The King James says, His unspeakable gift. Galatians 4.4 says, At just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. My grandson, who was only six or seven at the time, as we were riding along in the car discussing the cross and the dark day and the, 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 the cries of agony and, the, and blood and, 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 and screaming, all these terrible and pain. This little boy looked at me and said, Grandpa, when Jesus died on the cross, that's my favorite story. Is that your favorite story? Do you thank God for your salvation daily? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one would be able to boast. Titus 3, 4 to 7 says, But when the kindness of God... Our Savior and His love for mankind appeared. He saved us. He saved us. The great Charles Spurgeon said about the gospel, about salvation, Never lose heart in the power of the gospel. Do not believe that there exists any man, much less any race of men, for whom the gospel is not fitted. Yes, we praise God for our Salvation. Now we need to also thank him for sanctification, which is our growth in Christ. Set apart, sanctified, set apart by Christ to grow through trust and obedience in him. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. So if you're sitting there today and you're wondering, am I truly a believer in Christ? Have I really been saved by grace? You ask yourself, are you a new creature? Are you still hanging on to the old things or have you begun to walk in newness of life? With a love for God, a love for his word, a love for his people, a love to to sing hymns of praise to him. A love to be in a fellowship with God's people. Romans 6.17 says, But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart. We are set apart unto Christ by sanctification in obedience to Him. Second Peter three, seventeen to eighteen says, You therefore, beloved, grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Are you growing? Are you are you growing? Some of you have known Christ for years. Do you think you would someone for, for years you would be more like him? You say you've known Christ all these years. Are you more and more like him? Are you growing? Are you set apart unto him to be like him? To love him and to serve him? 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11 says, 
Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. It's all of us, doesn't it? But it continues. Such were some of you. Such were some of you. In other words, you should not be that way anymore. Such were some of you, but you were washed. Washed by the blood of Christ. But you were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of God. So sanctification is simply living in obedience to Christ and His Word. Jesus said, if you love me, if you love me, keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. I was going to bring it this morning, but I forgot an old book that was printed over 115 years ago. About a Chinese evangelist by the name of Pastor Xi. H-S-I, but pronounced Xi. And he didn't like to be called pastor because he was a layman like most of us here today. Well, he was greatly used of God. He was visiting a small town, the believers in this town, and he met this little older godly lady whose baptism had been long delayed and from a cause that no one knew. Converted two years before, her love and faith and the consistency of her Christian life were undoubted. And yet she never asked to be received into the church as a member and seemed distressed when the subject of baptism was mentioned. This puzzled her missionary friend who could not think of any reason why Mrs. Han should not be baptized. At length in a quiet talk one day, the old lady unburdened her heart. Oh, she said wistfully, if only I could be a true follower of Jesus and be baptized. And why not, questioned the missionary friend, much interested. Is there anything to hold you back? Me? Why, of course there is, exclaimed Mrs. Hahn. How could I be his true disciple? I could never accomplish the work. But what work, said her friend kindly. Did not Jesus do it all? (laughs) Oh, yes. And I do love him. And I'm trusting him alone for salvation. But I know that the Lord Jesus said that his disciples were to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And I'm not able to do that. I do love to tell of him. She went on as her missionary friend seemed for the moment unable to reply. I have told my son and his wife and all of our neighbors and the summertime I go from village to village telling people about Jesus. Oh, I'm not afraid to tell of Jesus. It's not that. But I'm old and very feeble. I cannot read. My eyes are growing dim and I can only walk a little way. You see, it's impossible for me to go into all the world and preach the gospel. If you had come earlier when I was young, but now it's too late. (laughs) I cannot be his disciple now. 
with a full heart, the missionary explained the meaning of the Savior's words and spoke of his perfect understanding and appreciation of every act prompted by love to him. The Lord Jesus knew about the widow's offering. Instead of another woman who desired to serve him much, she has done what she could. Oh, Mrs. Hahn said, what she could? Was that what it meant? Oh, then it might be okay after all for me to join the church and be baptized. And the dear old lady could hardly wait till the following Sunday to be baptized. Full of joy in her new privilege, she was one of the brightest members of the little church. And her earnestness in doing what she could was a frequent incentive to others. Sanctification. Sanctification. Number three, thankful for service. Thankful for the wonderful opportunity you and I have of serving our Lord and King. Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. This refers to service, to work that is possible, work which is right in front of you every day. That's what that means. Not looking for something, but what's there? To glorify God in your service and living for Him every day. Ephesians 2.10 says, For you, we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So let me ask you today, how are you walking? How did you walk? How'd you walk? Are you walking in the good works that God prepared for, beforehand for you? For you. Whether you're young or old, God has a will for, to accomplish His glory through you, through good works. It's really amazing. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. See, many times we think about when we have the Word of God, we all, oh, this is written for ministers and for pastors and for missionaries. That's not what the, the Word of God is for all of us. Brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord that He gives you every day. A mother, a father, a child, a parent, a student, a worker, automotive mechanic, whatever. That's God's work for you to glorify His name. And your toil will never be in vain in Christ. One of our missionaries in Colombia shared the story that during World War II, Winston Churchill, the Prime Minister of England, was taken to the coal mines to speak to the miners. Understandably, they were in awe that he, the Prime Minister, was even there. And yet they too needed motivation to press on and to receive appreciation in a much-needed behind-the-scenes task. This man of great rhetorical speech spoke to these black, ashen-faced miners. We will be victorious, he said. We will preserve our freedom. And years from now, our freedom, when our freedom is secure and peace reigns, your children and your children's children will come and they will ask you and say to you, What did you do to win our freedom in the Great War? And one will say, I marched with the 8th Army. Someone else will proudly say, I guided the ships that moved the troops and supplies. 
And still others will say, I doctored the wounds. But they will come to you, he shouted, and you will say with equal right and pride, I cut the coal. I cut the coal of the mines that fueled the ships that moved the supplies. That's what I did. I cut the coal. For those of us in ministry, we praise, for, we praise God for those who are cutting the coal. With their prayers and with their friendship and with their support and with their giving their sons and daughters and parents and friends to serve the Lord in a great task of world evangelism, discipleship and development for the glory of God. Yes, praise God for service. Number four, we're thankful for saints. For saints. Men and women who have been our example and of Christian living to the glory of God. We often say in our family, what would we ever do without our friends? What would we ever do without our friends? What would we in our mission? What would we ever do without our friends? And this church, what would we ever do without those people who are serving us so, so faithfully in, the, in this fellowship? To put out the chairs, to prepare the food, to, to prepare the messages, to prepare the music. You know, our friends are serving God, but by serving us. Serving us, serving God. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul the Apostle said, Be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. When we see people like that, it should encourage us to do that, to be like that. I can do that. I may not do it as well as them, but, I, you know, I could do that. I could, I could help in this way. I, you know, that person, they, they quote the scripture. You know, possibly I could do that. You know, the way, they, the way Pastor Job prepares his message, perhaps God would use me to do something similar. People who set before us a goal to attain. Second Thessalonians 3, 7 and 9, Paul said, For you yourselves know how you... Ought to follow our example. Because we did not act in an undisciplined manner among you. In order to offer ourselves as a model for you. So that you would follow our example. To be in a home and be able to. Follow the example of our mom and dad. To be in a fellowship like this. And follow those other brothers and sisters. How they treat their wife and. How they respond to little kids and how they're kind to others. How they always offer a seat and how they make sure that things are taken care of. And in society, as we go out, to be an example of what Christ would be in our lives. A little slum boy asked one of our missionaries one time. His name was Martin. He's a Canadian missionary. He uh, had a beard and he was white. And he had taken two very poor Filipino pastors into a slum area of Metro Manila. Terrible, terrible place. <clears throat> he was teaching these pastors how to, to do a church planting survey, how to meet key people in the, in the, in the slum area and begin to minister the gospel and how to, how to start get permission to have Bible studies and, and maybe even plant the church. And he was there for three days doing a survey of this large summary of, of Manila. And uh, they, unbeknownst to them, there's a little boy watching them. He saw them come in, begin to follow him. 
First day, second day, third day. And on the third day, he heard them say that this was their last day they were going to be there. And at the end of the day, as Martin was leaving with these two pastors, this little boy slipped up behind Martin and pulled on his coat. Martin turned around and the little boy said, excuse me, sir. Are you Jesus? Are you Jesus? See, the little boy in the Catholic culture, probably never been to church, but and maybe one of the little shanties in the, in the little shacks there, they saw a little a, a picture, a Catholic picture of a, of a white, white Jesus. You've seen him, white Jesus with a beard. And how Jesus, heard the stories about how Jesus was kind to people and compassionate and caring, respectful and gracious. And, and, the, and the little boy thought, I wonder if that's him. I wonder if that's him. Excuse me, sir. Are you Jesus? See, he saw Martin, how he deferred to these two poor Filipino men and how he was gracious and kind to the people he spoke with and how little kids were around. They didn't become irritable to him. He gathered them and played with them and talked to them and spoke nicely to them. Sir, are you are you Jesus? Are you Jesus? See, that's an example. You know, maybe no one will come up to you and say, Sir, are you Jesus? But will they come up to you and say, Ma'am, I've noticed how you've been so kind and you had this difficulty and yet the way you responded and, and how you treat your husband and kids and how you're gracious to others. And even though you're so stressed out with all these other things, you're always simply to caring for others. Ma'am, I, I just want to know, are you a disciple of Jesus? Because you certainly act like him. You certainly act like him. One, one time on a flight, I saw a short video on the life of Reggie Jackson, the famous baseball celebrity. Uh, played for the New York Yankees and broke all the records and retired early, but at the peak of his career with the Oakland Athletics in 1987. A few years ago, my wife and I were in California, and we happened to meet the Reggie Jackson. And as I shook his hand and talked to him for a few minutes, I mentioned that the only other famous baseball player I had ever shaken hands with was the great Willie Mays. Well, when I said Willie Mays, he grabbed my hand again. Oh, you shook hands with Willie Mays because Willie Mays was his and everybody else's favorite baseball player. Yes, meeting the famous Reggie Jackson and Willie Mays, however, is nothing in comparison to other people we have met, such as Pastor Evangelista Shadora, the little man barely five feet tall with a big heart who died in his 70s in the Philippines. Pastor Shadora pioneered the Philippine Missionary Fellowship and for 40 years took the gospel to small villages and tribes throughout the country. Once when asked to come to the States and visit and speak at a conference, he applied for a visa at the U.S. Embassy in Manila. And as usual, they were rude. And they rudely asked him, Why do you want to go to the United States? He simply replied, I don't want to go to the United States. 
who would ever want to go to the United States? I mean, they're rude in the United States. I don't want to go to the United States. God wants me to go to the United States. Oh, well, okay, he got his visa. <laughs> On one occasion in Manila, 1974, I'd almost quit my ministry. Pastor Sidora knew I was very discouraged. At a meeting for pastors and leaders, he saw me, and after the meeting, he called me aside. And he sat me down, took my hands in his, and for 20 minutes, with his face just like this, right next to me, for 20 minutes, he preached and shared from the Word of God the encouragement we have in Christ. You never give up. Be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the... He preached to me. He helped me get my focus back on the sovereign Lord. Yes, I have shaken the hands of Reggie Jackson and Willie Mays, but so what? So what? God touched me and so many others through the life of a humble, zealous, godly Filipino, the truly great evangelista Shadora. Praise God. For saints. Number five, thankful for Scripture. Second Timothy three fifteen says, and that from childhood, Paul is writing to Timothy, you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Psalm one forty nine, forty seven and fifty says. <clears throat> I shall delight in your commandments, which I love. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your word has revived me. That's what God's word does. When I had cancer in the hospital, during my treatment, my wife had to rush me down to complications I was having. And they worked on me all night, did not know what's going on. It was in the morning, the doctors called Margaret out into the hallway, and I thought, uh-oh, something must be serious. And then about that time, a chaplain walked in. I thought, oops, it really must be serious. <laughs> and the chaplain came in, like so many of them do today. He began to quote poetry. Poetry! You know, poetry about the birds in the trees and the breeze blowing and the, 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 the freshness of the flowers and all this. And finally, I opened my eyes, and in pain... You know, you don't always say polite things when you're in pain. Do you notice that? <laughs> Open my eyes in pain and I said, is that the stuff you share with everybody? <laughs> and he said, whoa, 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 what do you mean? What do I do? And I said, I'm dying. You don't quote poetry to a man who's dying. You encourage me through the word of God. He said, well, where do I get one? I said, well, here, take this Bible. He took the Bible. <laughs> he said, where do I start reading? You know, I'm not very smart. Usually when you're dying, you turn to Psalms. I didn't know that. I said, the book of Romans. Praise God, he knew where Romans was. He turned to the book of Romans and began to read. He came down to verse 20 in Romans chapter 1. He said, for the, great, for the gospel is the power of God to salvation. What, verse 16. For the gospel is the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes. Boy, that's a verse to go to sleep on, isn't it? And I went to sleep. The next day he came back wanting to read the Bible some more. See, that's the power of God's Word. 2 Timothy three sixteen to 17 
All scripture. How much? All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching and for reproof and for correction and for training in righteousness. So that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. So listen to it and read it and study it and memorize it and meditate on it and use it. Use it with other people. You know, it's really interesting. I'm not a great writer, but I, I have to do a lot of correspondence. You know, a lot of emails all over the world. And, and I try to quote something that God has been speaking to me from the Word. And when people write back, they very seldom ever say, Oh, that really helped me with this and this. Oh, but the Word of God that you shared was just what I needed. Use it. Second Timothy 2.15 says, Be diligent. To present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Can you accurately handle it? Are you reading it? Do you, are, you, are, you, are you filling yourself with the word of God? You know, do you read the Bible through once a year? Let me challenge you with something. You know, I figured this up this morning. Tell you what, why don't you take your Bible today and... The number of the pages divided by 360 and it'll tell you how many pages to read every day that's not your devotion that's just reading the Bible and you read through the Bible in one year but you know you could even do something more you know what if you did it in the month of December oh you know what it is in my Bible it's only 20 pages now 20 pages is a lot but 20 pages I could read the whole Bible my whole Bible the whole Bible in the month of December Oh, he said, I couldn't do that. Okay, do it in two months. Do it in two months, 60 days. Or do it in three months. And do it on a regular basis. Read the Bible through, not once a year, but maybe twice. Maybe three times. One of our missionaries, the business missionary in our mission, directing all of Cambodia, wrote me this week. He's reading the Bible through four times this year. With all the other things he has to do. I'm not saying you've got to read the Bible through just like that. But are you saturating yourself in the Word of God? Do you have little models like, no Bible, no breakfast? Do you have something that will keep you focused on, on doing something about the Word of God to learn it? First Timothy 4, 6-7 says, In pointing out these things to the brethren, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished on the words of faith. In the Philippines, they, quote, they printed a book recently of my favorite stories, quotes, and illustrations. And I read one this morning by Dr. Barnhouse. He says, an old Scottish lady, when asked if she enjoyed reading commentaries, replied somewhat dubiously, Yes, I like to read commentaries sometimes. The Bible throws a great deal of light on commentaries. Now, there may be scholars who think that this attitude toward the Bible is wrong, But this is the reason why some simple-minded folk know more about God and His ways than professors who know even supposed to know more. The yielded heart, the certainty that God is speaking. You know, this week, my wife talked about one of her dear Filipino friends here in Seattle. She says, you know, Doug, there's something different about Terry. You know... When she reads something in the Bible, she tries to obey it. This is speaking to her. Do you do that? Do you believe that God speaks through His Word? 
and the willingness to listen are the sum and substance of the methodology of Bible study. Yes, praise God for Scripture. Number six, we're thankful for security in Christ. For security. John 10, 14, and verses 27 and 28, Jesus said these comforting words, I am the good shepherd and know my own. And my own know me. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. Do you hear these? Did you hear this word? They'll never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Proverbs three twenty-five and 26 says, Do not be afraid, child of God, of sudden fear, nor the onslaught of the wicked when it comes, because the Lord God will be your confidence. See that? Security, confidence, safety, protection. Proverbs 5.21 says, For the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he watches all of your paths. My, what security is that? A passage of Scripture we pass over too quickly. I read it at the beginning of my message. Colossians 1, 12, 13, and 14. Listen. Giving thanks to the Father... For he rescued us. See the, see the word security there? He rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his dear son. We're secure in the kingdom of God through his son, our savior and our shepherd. Secure in Christ. I had settled down for a four hour flight on a large plane. Hoping to catch up on some reading. As the plane began to taxi down the runway, one of the flight attendants made her way down the aisle for her last check of the passengers. She suddenly noticed a lady with two babies with no seatbelts. The plane was gathering speed. So she told the mother to hold one child, but she took the little baby and looked around for a passenger to hold the baby during the flight. Now, all the other passengers, they looked away, but I did not look away fast enough. (laughs) And catching my eye, the stewardess thanked me as she handed me the ugliest baby I have ever seen. Excuse me for saying that. But it was. And as the plane took off and I held this little baby sleeping, I was trying to read through the noises of all this baby noises. And I read uh, 15 minutes and then 20 minutes and 25 minutes and 30 minutes. Nobody came for that baby. And finally, I decided to get up and look for the mother. Finding her five rows up from me, I asked, is this baby yours? And she looked at me and said in surprise, oh, I forgot all about him. I have thought about this incident often. Yes, we may be small in the world's eyes. 
And so ugly our own mothers forget us. But God's arms are always stretched out to hold us. He will never drop or leave us or ever forget us. And nothing will snatch us out of his hand. Nothing. Praise God. Number seven in closing. Thankful and suffering. I think our brother in Sunday school class spoke about suffering. What God does through suffering in our lives. James 1, 2 says, consider it all joy. See, this is quite hard to understand, but God says to James, consider it all joy, my brethren and sisters, when you encounter various trials, problems, pains, difficulties, suffering. Paul wrote to the young man, Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, 3, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ. See, it just comes parse and park with the, with this whole discipleship Situation that God has put us in. As a soldier of Christ, we suffer with him. Paul again wrote to Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, 7 to 10. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead, for which I suffer hardship even to imprisonment. But the word of God is not in prison. For this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus and with it eternal glory. Some of you suffering for Christ, you will be welcomed at the gates of glory with people that you sacrificed to send the gospel to, waiting there for you to say thank you. Suffering will be worth it all. James 1.12, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. The crown is not for here. The crown is for there. The suffering is for here. And remember, we're just pilgrims. Pilgrims. We're passing through. This is not our home. Our home is in glory. Philippians 1.29 Paul wrote, for to you, been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. It's a kingly privilege to suffer for the king. God, I want to glorify your name in this pain. Pray that next time. God, I want to glorify your, your name in this pain. The world is a world of danger and hurt and sadness and death and disease and misunderstandings and heartache. Suffering is our lot in life. But God uses all of these difficulties to conform us to his son and glorify his name. First Peter 5.10 says, After you have suffered for a little while, the God of grace. Notice that, a little while. A little while. Just a little while we're on earth. A little while. This is just a little while. For a little while, the God of grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect and confirm and strengthen and establish you. Yes, thanks be to God for salvation, for sanctification, for service, for saints, for scripture, for security, and even for suffering. It's a cruel nighttime of suffering we're living in today, isn't it? Isn't it? But remember, O Christian, that 
morning is coming. Morning is coming. It may be dreary out there, morning's coming. Difficulties, pain, loss of job, sickness, missing, all these things. Morning is coming. It may be the darkest night right now, but the resurrection morning of light is coming. Years ago, W.A. Criswell, a pastor in Dallas, Texas, told the story of taking a flight and being seated next to a respected Christian college professor. As soon as they were underway, they began to talk. The professor told Criswell that his young son had recently died of a terrible disease. The boy had been at preschool and had been sent home because of a fever. They thought it was simply a a slight cold or the flu, but he got worse there in the night, and finally they had to take him to the hospital. At the hospitals, the doctors ran all these tests, and then came and told the parents the worst of all news. Your son has meningitis. There's no cure for him at this time in his sickness. He will go through the process of meningitis, and he will die soon. For a couple of days, the parents sat with their little boy praying and hoping. But the boy got worse and worse, and finally, after a few days, they could see that his body was too weak to go on, and he would soon die. It was in the middle of the day, and the boy's vision began to fade. He looked up at his father and said, Daddy, it's getting dark, isn't it? Yes, my boy, it's getting dark. It's time for me to go to sleep, isn't it, Daddy? Yes, my son, it's time for you to go to sleep. The professor explained how his son liked to have his pillow and blankets arranged as so, and he always lay his head on his hands while he slept. So he fixed his son's pillow and watched while the son rested his hand, head on his hands. Good night, Daddy. I'll see, I'll see you in the morning. Good night, Daddy. I'll see you in the morning. The boy closed his eyes and drifted to sleep. His breathing became shallow, and just a few moments later, his life was over. The professor, talking to Dr. Quiswell, stopped for a while and looked out the window of the airplane for a long time. Then he turned to Dr. Quiswell, and with his voice breaking and with tears in his eyes, he whispered, I can hardly wait. For morning to come. I can hardly wait for morning to come. Christian, do you know do you know that morning is coming? This man was a suffering father, a man who missed his little boy. But he had hope, sure hope. Hope that was grounded in the gospel. Morning resurrection was coming. We have hope in the future, don't we? The Bible says of Jesus. That Jesus has been raised and we too will be raised. We are not looking for a future of uncertainty. No, we're looking to the future with a sure and unshakable confidence that just as surely as Christ suffered and died on the cross, He was raised from the dead. So we too will be released from all the, the death and disease and pain and problems and all the hurt and heartache and all the separation and sadness and all the suffering of this life. Glory to God. Thanks be to God. Morning is coming. The great resurrection morning is coming.
Father. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for your grace and mercy. Thank you for salvation. Thank you, Father, for saints who have gone before us and living right now to be our example. Thank you for the word of God, the scripture. Thank you, Father, that we can come to you and praise you even for, for, uh, uh, for the things you're doing in our life for sanctification. As difficult as they may be in suffering, Father, all these things. We want to thank you because they come to us through the loving, gracious, kind hands of the Lord God Almighty. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.